Welcome to The Sea Change Show, where leaders are changing business culture for good. I'm your host, Maura Barclay. If you are new to the show, welcome. We are so glad you found us and you didn't find us by accident. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single conversation with these phenomenal leaders. And if you are a regular listener, welcome back, Frequent Flyer. We sure appreciate you coming back every week. Today is a highlight episode, and today I wanted to highlight Tom Cuthbert. I don't know if you caught that. When was Tom? I think Tom was September 1, Thursday, September 1. He's remarkable. He is the CTO of Emergy, and I interviewed the CEO of Emergy, Miss Emily Morris, back on August 25th. That was episode 15. So I thought it would be, I don't know, kind of great timing if I interviewed Tom directly following. So the thing I wanted to highlight about Tom, if you didn't catch it, uh, definitely go back and check that out. So here we have Mr. White Guy, who's been in energy his whole life. He's worked with, well, I'm not going to name names. Let's just say he's worked with some energy giants and- it's pretty common knowledge that energy is a white man's show. There's very few people of color and women in energy. So he was at the senior level, the most senior level of an energy giant. And it's a very conventional, traditional leadership model. <laughs> You'll have to listen to the way he says it, but sometimes I get the impression that even with innovation, it's like there's still this there's this paradigm that it's got it, innovation has to look familiar, right? So that's not what innovation is. It should feel weird and different and create curiosity and maybe a little bit of insecurity. <laughs> that's how you know you're cooking with gas. So the thing I I really r resonated with, I mean, Tom is, you know, everybody needs a little Tom Cuthbert in their life. Just he's such a he's such a phenomenal, um, you know, a phenomenal person. So here he comes working for an energy giant. He's never worked for, I don't even know if he's worked with women. I mean, he maybe a handful here and there, but certainly not not at the senior levels of, of leadership. There are not a lot of women. And he leaves his senior leadership position to go and work for a female CEO in an energy startup. For those of you who don't know the startup world, it's, uh, well, <laughs> it's on spec, right? Like we hope it's good. We've got a pitch deck. We've got all our numbers. We've got a great concept. Maybe we've got proof of concept by this time. You know, we're lean startup. We've got our MVP, et cetera, et cetera. So still it's back folks. And the great thing about Emily and her team is they did manage to raise quite a bit of money. Their seed round was phenomenal. Their A series, or their series A rather is going to be even more spectacular. So here comes Tom. He's like, you know what? I'm going to leave this super comfortable position that I've worked my entire career for, and I'm going to jump 
onto the smallest ship I can find in the energy business, which is a startup. So he brings all of his, his good mojo. And the thing I love about him is not only did he go work for a woman, he was very cognizant and not comfortable with the homogeny going on where he was working. So I know I just use a triple letter word score word. So he didn't like how was a bunch of white guys and not like not nobody else. <laughs> he was like, hmm, this isn't uh, really, you know, this isn't the most What's the word? This is not the the way to get to where we're going. This is not the fastest, best way to get to where we're going. Alternate points of view always make better decisions. It slows it down a bit, but that's where true innovation happens. And he recognized that. And he just, it's pretty, it's pretty challenging when you are in up to your elbows, a conventional leadership with a completely homogenized or familiar same leadership team. So he recognized it. However, sometimes when you have a system that is reluctant to change or it like openly resistant to change, you got to go build a new system. You know, it's like at some point, these, these conventional command and control white male dominated leadership teams will, they'll either come along with the rest of the, the world because the rest of the world is going to start edging them out as a competitive advantage because, well, and there's a greater revenue to be had. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> and at some point you either start diversifying your leadership team or you just start to lose your people and they're going to go where they feel welcome and like they belong. So Tom goes to work for this incredible female CEO, or I should say incredible CEO happens to be female. And uh, I want to highlight that because it's unusual to have a female CEO in energy and she's young too. I think she's under 30. Is that possible? She's maybe just, it's, she's incredible. Definitely catch that episode as well, Emily Morris. So he's allowed to build a team and he just was hiring the best people. He wasn't really like trying to do anything. I mean, he was aware that he didn't want homogenized team and, and the people that were being, the resumes that were coming across his desk, he's like, this one, this one, this one. And he found himself one day in a room full of engineers who were all female. And I believe some of them were people of color. Some of them were women of color. And the reason that he noticed was, I love, I love this story when he tells it, he said, okay, guys. And he was, he was about to launch into the meeting and he stopped himself because he recognized, holy crap, I'm in a room full of women. I'm the only guy. And he stopped and he said, I apologize. Uh, I just never had to think about that before. Now, women, many women, myself included, you know, I grew up in a generation where we say, guys, I don't do that anymore. Well, mm, I, I do my best to choose an alternative that's a little bit more inclusive. And there's a lot of women like me who 
depending on the situation, if I know someone respects me, uh, it's okay. It's fine. Most women are like, yeah, it's so fine. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, especially if you're a CEO, whatever. Um, however, a little asterisk here, it is the using a male, a, a male indicator is part of the insidious way that in inequity continues. And if you don't agree, let me just offer you this. And then oh, this is really kind of part of the reason I wanted to highlight Tom because he recognized it. He's just so emotionally intelligent and, and he gave the women the option like, Hey, I, I don't, I'm so sorry. I hope that's not offensive. And all the women were actually okay with it, but he opened the, he opened up the opportunity. He made it a psychologically safe space for a woman to say, actually, if you wouldn't mind just saying team, I would appreciate that. Or, you know, whatever he made it safe for a woman to say, yeah, you know what? I'm not a guy and I don't take offense to it, but I would love if we could find another word. Now, I'm on the fence as an old school person. I was raised and born in the sixties, raised in the seventies. And I say raised in the seventies because that's all I can remember. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for, I, I think a lot of people in my generation learning new pronouns is amazing and challenging for me. And I'm just like, you just tell me what it is. And I will do my best. And when I make a mistake, and I probably will, just know that I'm not trying to upset you, trigger you. It's not a microaggression. It is me just in my in my crazy <laughs> generation. It's you know. Anyway, so I I don't like political correctness very much. It's not being politically correct. That's not what I'm interested in, and that's not what Tom was interested in. What he was doing was including people. He he wanted to make sure he recognized that the language he was using might have interfered with or precluded a sense of belonging. And he caught himself and was like, oh, uh, what should we do about this? And the women were like, no, we feel like we belong. We're good. We feel included. Let's go. So giving people the choice having the presence of mind and awareness of self and privilege and patriarchy and how the language supports those things. And I'm not judging it. I'm not blaming anybody. If you're a man and you're hearing this, please, no shame here. It's not about that. It's just what is. If you think guys is neutral, then I would, uh, I would offer you this. If that is neutral, then the female version should also be neutral. However, I think it would be quite an issue if we used gals or ladies, particularly ladies, in the way that men use guys. Think about it. It was you and your buddies, and you were being addressed at work. And a woman who was leading a meeting said, all right, gals, here's what we got. If you are a white man listening to this, I'll bet you are starting to bristle a little bit as you feel your masculinity has just been called into question. So I just offer you this to ponder. If a woman, uh, 
if a leader who is a different gender than you, if you're a man listening to this, addresses the entire group as her gender, do you as a man feel excluded? Do you feel mocked? Do you feel suddenly self-conscious? That's my question to you. And if you don't, you're okay with it, please email me. <laughs> I would like to know you exist. <laughs> so it's not a neutral term because the opposite of it, if, if that, it's not. I mean, it's, uh, it's, an, it's considered an insult. So we have, and this is the thing that um, privilege is blind to, anybody who's not a white man goes through their life making a lot of accommodations going over going through and around and over and being stopped by obstacles that uh white men don't don't see so much of the like i would say tolerating adjust i think adjusting is really the deal the shifting adjusting um making exceptions making things work that is the invisibility of privilege Men don't typically have to do that to accommodate other people on a massive scale like other people accommodate white men because white men have been in charge and in creating all the laws and building all the things and blah, blah, blah. Again, no shame, no judgment. That's just how it's been. Socially dominant group. Okay, now what? So <laughs> that's the thing. It's invisible. And this is very difficult for men because it's not on your radar. I'll give you a very specific example. I used to teach women's empowerment and uh, compassionate self-defense compassionate self-defense and empowerment for women. And a lot of times I would teach, and this is at Fortune 500 companies and military, and I would frequently have a mixed gender audience. And even though it was just a handful of dudes – they're there. And I would ask the men, raise your hand if you think about your safety once a day, no hands. Once a week, no hands. Once a month, maybe one of the hands would go up. Once every six months, and then maybe the rest of them, and then maybe once a year, and then of course, that's everybody. I'm like, okay. Ladies, how many of you, women, please raise your hand if you have thought about your personal safety today. And three quarters of the room go up. And I look at, I watch the men every single time. They're like, holy shit, I had no idea. That's privilege right there. That's what that is. Of course you don't. And if you extrapolate that sort of like a, a fractal unwinding, you start to see the things that particularly uh, women, black women, trans women, the things that we have to navigate in the white male dominated patriarchy that you just, you don't know about, you don't know, and it's okay until it's not. So I love this, this awareness of Tom recognizing that he may have been in his privilege by saying the word guys and then calling himself out on it. Now, here's the thing about privilege. And if you, if you follow me and you read my, LinkedIn posts, then you know all about this. I call out my white privilege all the time because there's things as a, a white woman that I don't have to go through that a black woman, excuse me, a black woman does, a black man does, 
I don't know. And nobody knows I'm Jewish unless I'm wearing the gear. And I don't wear the gear because I'm not Orthodox. So I'm not identified as a minority at all. Now, Jewish people, we don't consider ourselves white. In fact, we have a word for white people in Yiddish, white men, white women. So we don't, we consider ourselves ethnic, right? But when I walk out, I just look like a white lady. So I get all of the privileges and benefits of that. And so what I'm doing with that, so if you're, if you are 60% of the population, as far as change goes, you know, you've got your early, you got your early adopters, uh, then you've got your 60% who are a little bit slower. And then, you know, you got your 20% laggards. If you're one of the 60% and you are really interested in, I can't tell you how many men I meet that are, they really believe themselves to be and do their best to be feminists and equity minded. And, you know, these white folks, men and women who are taken to the streets and, and marching for women's rights and, you know, marched when George Floyd was murdered. These are the people that can really create change. And it the thing that that is necessary is that moment of awareness and then ownership without shame, blame, or judgment. I don't judge myself for being born a white woman. However, I have an opportunity to work with that privilege, to use it as a lever to in, bring any amount of, of power or influence I might have to create equity and inclusion and belonging everywhere I go, to create psychological safety for everybody. And that includes white men, y'all. I think white men need more psychological safety than they've ever needed because for the first time ever, they're being asked to accommodate and shift and change. And it's like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't, we don't, huh? So me too is a perfect example of that and how suddenly white men are like, oh shit, what used to be okay, what used to be accepted is now sending men to jail and they're losing their jobs and they're getting sued and X, Y, Z. So et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like me too is a really good example of how this is sort of playing out. So, and, and nobody wants to do that. That's the thing. It's like, just enjoy the power and influence you have, especially if you worked your ass off for it. Just because you have privilege doesn't mean you don't work hard. You have an opportunity to start a conversation with other people who have the same privilege and you are not losing anything by bringing people who are different in. You just aren't. And I wanted to, one last thing to make you aware of. When I've heard this refrain a lot when it comes to in, um, diversifying leadership teams, workforces, et cetera, uh, there's this notion of having, you know, there's going to be less opportunity for me, says a white man. And my question is, why did you think it was yours to begin with? It's not yours to lose. It's for everybody to compete for. Everybody. 
that's privilege. That is the silent entitlement that is culturally conditioned. So it's absolutely correct because you've been conditioned to it. It doesn't make it work. It doesn't make it, <laughs> it doesn't, it's going to create problems for you when you have to suddenly be like, oh, I, we've all, we're all going to, the measuring stick is changing. So there you have it. Tom, you're amazing. Please go and watch that or listen to that episode. Tom was on September 1. He's episode 16. Thank you so much for joining me every week. I appreciate you. Please subscribe. And of course, if I love to get feedback, please leave a rating. If you're on Spotify, Apple, please share it. And of course, if there's anyone you think could be good for the show, including you, just reach out to me. My contact information is always in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Sea Change Show. We sure appreciate you stopping by and taking your very valuable time to visit with us. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Who knows what's going to happen? I never do. It's always up in the air. And if you would like to be a guest, if you have something to offer, I would love to talk to you. Please email me at cultureworks at morabarclay.com. And that's M-A-U-R-A-B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. I would love to talk with you. And if you have someone who you think would be a good fit for this show, please reach out to me and connect me. I want to keep celebrating and amplifying as many of these voices as possible. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.